listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. How are you guys doing this morning? Great, fantastic, and I'd like to welcome you to church. Uh, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, my name is Pastor Ariel, and I'm one of the pastors of this congregation. It's glad to glad to be back, and uh, you know, good to be back in church. How many of you are glad that you are in church today? We're celebrating. Uh, yes, come on, we're celebrating Independence Day, uh, and uh, you know, also we're starting a brand new series on. Uh, on family, and I believe that this is going to be an exciting series for all of us. Family, how many of you love your families? You know, we love family, and you know, I'm just grateful for the fact that we, as a family, are healed. You know, maybe maybe some of you are not aware. I just uh, got healed from COVID. Okay, so big lang nawala na yung front row. <laughs> Dito, okay. But uh, just wanted to, uh, you know, our family got COVID. The whole family, all for one, one for all. Ikanga. Pero officially today, malaya na ako. Happy Independence Day, okay? And so I'm out of quarantine. Uh, we have tested negative already a couple of days ago from COVID. And we, we just made sure that uh, we actually had more than enough days to quarantine. And it was a bit hard to see the whole family get sick. Though the symptoms were a bit milder than uh, what it used to be a year ago, we had you know flu-like symptoms like sore throat, a hard cough, and colds, uh, chills uh, during the first few days. But yet we somehow are glad that we got it together. Uh, that uh, the whole house does not have to wear mask before each other, and so we were like it's like a quarantine home, including our maid got sick, but. Um, you know, we're grateful that we're also healed together. And uh, we're so grateful also for those of you who are aware and those of you who prayed and showed your kindness and generosity, sent us uh, medicine, food, and also thank you so much for that. I think I gained weight because of the food that you sent, but thank you. And um, we are also praying for those who are sick. And uh, we don't want to just, um, you know, trivialize this sickness because we know that it can have different effects to all of us. And for those of you who've got sickness of COVID in your family, especially in the first couple of years, um, that was really tough. And so we, we can help somehow relate to what you have gone through. Uh, I thought wala na akong sakit. Uh, akala ko you know, sickness-free until the end of COVID season, but yet we got it. Pero so today, uh, fully vaxxed, and then I have all the antibodies, so must protected tayo ngayon. But anyway, so how many of you are grateful for family? Grateful for family, praise God. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. And uh, it's a time uh, we're, we're going to be talking about for the next three weeks, a series on family. You know, we, we kind of look at, you know, our families, and I believe that you are grateful for your own home, for your own family. You look at yourself, and I see a lot of family, uh, you know, families here in this particular service, young couples, middle-aged couples like me and my wife. You know, you've got young kids, you've got teenage kids, you probably have young adults in your home. Uh, maybe some of you are still single and maybe praying for a family someday. How many of you don't raise your hand anymore, Okay. Let it be a prayer unto the Lord, okay? And I believe that 
family is something that we celebrate even in our church, in our movement. It's one of the core values that we have in Victory. Aside from lordship, evangelism, discipleship, leadership development, we celebrate family. And we love, we love family. We love talking about family. And so today, we're going to focus on a series on family. Now, my question for us today is, what is God's plan, purpose, and promise for our families? You know, is it just to be blessed? Is it just to have a nice vacation? You know, there are a lot of uh, nations that are now opening. Is it now to have, you know, maybe to pray for a house or maybe to, uh, to have your kids finish uh, school? Is the reason why God has joined you as husband and wife just so that you can produce kids and raise them and bring them to school and maybe someday they're going to have great jobs? Is that the purpose why we have a family? Or... Is there a bigger purpose why God has put all of us together? How many of you know that it was not an accident why you are in your family? Why you have that surname? And how many of you have a nice, unique surname? And you're grateful for that. God has placed us there. Maybe some of you are hoping, sana ayara na lang ako, or sana, you know, Araneta, or C, or you know, whatever. But you know what? God has placed you in that home for a purpose. God has placed you in that family for a reason. And God has put you together, husband and wife, for a reason, for a purpose. You know, Joshua was encouraging the Israelites, as they were about to enter the promised land, and the last words that he was mentioning to them was this famous line, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can we all read this out loud together? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't just say, As for me and my house, we will be blessed. He didn't just declare, As for me and my house, we will buy a house. As for me and my house, we will travel the world. Or as for me and my house, we will prosper. But he said, as for me and my house and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now I believe that sometimes we look at family as the end goal of life. But how many of you know that family is not an end? It is a means to an end. Family is a means to a greater purpose. The reason why God has placed us in family is because God ultimately wants us to glorify Him. And we're going to be looking at the story of the first, one of the first families in the Old Testament, the patriarch of um, you know, Judaism, Christianity eventually, and that's the story of Abraham okay, and Sarai. So if you have your Bible, why don't you go ahead and open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, and let's all stand up together. As we give reverence to the Word of God, Genesis chapter 12. And we will be reading from verse 1 to verse 9. Genesis chapter 12, 1 to 9. We'll be reading from the ESV version, okay? Genesis 12, 1 to 9. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country... And your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. In verse 3 it says, I will bless those who bless you. And, I, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. 
and in you all the families. Everybody say all the families. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot, Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, or his nephew, and all their possessions that they had gathered. When you see the word all, it means all. Wala nang balikan. It was a commitment that Abraham took following the Lord. And the people that they had acquired or gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for our time together as we talk about families, as we learn your purpose, your promise, and your plan for us as families in this nation. And we thank you, Lord God, even for those who are sick, continue to heal them from their sickness. I pray, God, that you would give all of us the peace of God. We declare shalom and irine to everyone, every home, every child, every marriage. May things that have been broken be healed and restored. Thank you, Lord, that we look to you as the one who is the source and designer and the inventor of families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Now, it's a very familiar story for us. I know that you're familiar with Abraham. How many of you are familiar with the story of Abraham? Okay. Uh, Genesis chapter 12 basically, you know, gives us a deep dive on the story of one man. What's interesting is that Abraham, or Genesis chapter 12, is the turning point in Genesis. We're familiar with Genesis having, you know, the book of beginning. It's called the book of beginnings. It's the book of creation. You know, we've seen how God has created, has created the heavens and the earth and everything else. He created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve. They got married in the garden. That's why we have garden weddings, right? We celebrate that. It was God who initiated the, you know, the first marriage. And it was him who said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And how many of you are grateful that you are married to your spouse? Please raise your hand, okay? This is your poggy points, okay? Time. And God is the, one, is the one that placed us together. No matter how long ago was that. Maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, 20, 30 plus years ago. But it was God's plan. It was God's initiative. It was God's writing. He's the author of your love story. He's the author of your family. And here we see that the journey of Adam and Eve was so good until Genesis chapter 3. Until the fall of man. And after that, it went on downward for the history of man. Then we see the, you know, God has blessed them with sons, Cain and Abel. 
Here we also see the first murder. Cain murdering his brother Abel. And how God has also given them another son in the person of Seth. Not Seth Curry, okay? But Seth, as one would actually be the lineage where we would find Abraham's line and his descendants. And so on and so forth. We would see that you know, nations came out after that. Until the tower, you know, until God had to restart planet earth because of the sin of man. In fact, in Genesis chapter 6, you would see that there's a shift. And God said, I have regretted man. I've created him. Because every inclination in his heart was evil all the time. There was a point in the history of man where in everything that everybody was thinking about was evil all the time. Can you imagine that? Everything that you're thinking of. Evil, evil, evil. Genesis chapter 6 was a time of that. And God had to reset planet earth by sending a flood. And Noah and his family was saved in the ark. We know that story. God had to rebuild and have nations after that. And then the Tower of Babel came. And they wanted to make a name for themselves. And God somehow dismantled that tower and different ethnicities and languages. I'm just giving us a quick background of this. And then from Genesis chapter 11 to Genesis chapter 12, we now see God's camera panning the entire earth and doing a deep dive and a focus on one man. And this is Abraham and his wife Sarai. Now we would ask ourselves, what is special about Abraham? In fact, Abraham is not even his, you know, Abraham is the father of many nations. Abraham is the exalted father. Yet at that time, he had no sons. And I believe that God singled out Abraham to call him and gave him a promise. Not because of what he has done. It's all because of pure grace. And how many of you are grateful to God because of the grace that you and I received from him? Amen. Nothing we deserve Nothing we worked for. The reason why we're all here today enjoying the presence of God, the blessing of God. And yes, there are trials. Yes, there are testings. Yes, there are difficulties and challenges in life. But how many of you know that it's much better now because of the presence of God in our life? It's pure grace. And Abraham just received this promise out of nowhere, out of all the people on that planet. During that time, God chose Abraham. And this is where we see God saying, giving him his promise, Go, leave your father, leave your country, leave your father's household, and go to a land I will show you. There's a surrendering that is required, and there's a trusting that is required as well. It was God initiated. It was an undeserved call. So today we're going to be looking at very quickly three things about families. You want to talk about God's purpose for families. You want to talk about God's promise and then God's plan. All right? Are you ready? So God's purpose. My question is, why did God create the family? And, you know, as I was asking earlier, maybe uh, you're thinking, you know, we can procreate, we can have children. That's part of it. 
In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, we see that, you know, go forth and multiply, fill the earth. Part of God's call upon families to fill the earth with His glory. Amen. For protection of the young children, yes, possibly, yes. But yeah, we also know that nowadays, the family is under attack. How many of you know that? We see that in our society. We see that in our, in our culture. We see that no, not, no one is spared from our own home. Just look at your home and the attack of the enemy and the siege against the young children. The siege against our marriages. The siege against unity in our home. How many of you know that there is so much attack that the enemy is putting against the family? Whether it's in the area of health, whether it's in the area of uh, faithfulness, whether it's in the area of finances, you know, there's a massive attack there. And many times, it's not just a physical attack, it's a spiritual attack. There's also a philosophical attack. And there's now a question of what makes up a family. You know, it makes it complex. You know, there's a cultural attack on families as well. You know, the problems that we are facing, you know, like for example, separation. You know, we don't have divorce in the Philippines. I don't know if we're going to have divorce in the Philippines, if it's going to be passed. But yet, there are realities of like annulment. Parang divorce na ng annulment, diba? Binago lang ng semantics. Hiwalay pa rin eh. There's abuse at home. There's physical trauma. There's verbal abuse. Unfortunately, sometimes there's also sexual abuse happening in the house. Complex problems arise when it comes to marriage and families alike, like sexuality. Issues about parenting. Issues about authority and discipline. You know, sometimes you don't know who has the authority in the house, whether it's the parents or the children. Because we see that the children are the ones controlling the parents nowadays. Holding, us up, holding them as hostage. Gender roles is also an issue in the West and possibly an issue that's coming here. Spiritual formation, discipline, morality, and so on and so forth, fill in the blanks. In fact, the home or the family is now ground zero for the most complicated human experiences and relational problems that we have. It's not happening out there in society. It starts in our own home. How many of you feel the tension right now? You feel the tension that there is something happening in our families and we need to guard and protect it because we need to go back to the purpose why God has established family in the first place. You know, what's happening, for example, in America right now, in the U.S., one of the most pressing problems that they have is gun violence. And mass shooting. How many of you are aware of what's happening in the U.S. if you are looking at the news, CNN or whatever? And we see that, for example, they have summarized the number of mass shootings for the whole year 2022. From January to, Jan to June 5, there were 245 mass shootings that happened in the United States alone. More than the number of days that has transpired, less than half a year. 
This is a serious problem. In fact, if you will see that in the post here, in 2013, they found out that there are more guns than people in the United States. About 357 million guns versus 317 million people. And that's why it's, it's a massive problem. The issue is complex. You know, the fingers are pointing to the government, to politics, to, you know, gun uh, business uh, uh, companies, also to mental health issues, bullying. You know, last week we have seen a grievous sight in Uvalde, Texas. You know, we're in about 19 students and a teacher was killed by a teenager with high caliber weapon. Just entering a school and free firing at the students. Can you imagine that happening in our society nowadays? I am grateful that we don't have availability of guns in the Philippines. In the U.S., you can actually buy a gun. If you're a you know, teenager, 18 and above, without any background check, you can go to a Costco or whatever gun shop and buy a gun and purchase it for your own protection. Yet we know that the basic problem in society, whether in the States, whether it's in South America, whether it's in Asia, it's the family unit. And when something is broken, we need to go back to the original intent of the designer and the maker of that thing. We see that, you know, for example, if your appliance is broken, what I normally do is, because I, are you like me, you know, when I buy something, I don't read the manual. But when it's broken, it's just time to read the manual. Because, you know, I can figure it out, you know. I buy something, I just use it. I don't even try to figure out the, you know, the different features of that thing. And many times, we enter into a family, we don't even know what's, how to do it. Because we failed to read the manual. But we need to go back and really ask God, Lord, why have you created the family again in the first place? What's the purpose of my own home? If you are a father here, if you're a mother, let's ask ourselves, Lord, bakit nga ba? Why did you give me a family? What's the purpose of my family? Is it just for me to work my head off? I don't want to use the other word. Eh? And just provide every single day for my family so that they can have nice meals and we can go out, buy the things that we want, and live a comfortable life. Is that it? You know, I believe that God's ultimate purpose for the family is to glorify and honor Him. Amen. It still goes, it, it still goes back to that. God's original purpose and ultimate purpose for the family is to glorify and to honor Him. My question for us is, when we look at our families today, when you look at and when you glance at your kids, when you glance at your marriage, when you take an assessment test, you know, for example, what if God brings out 
a, a quick test and ask us, would you actually say that my family is there to honor God and it reflects Christ? Ultimately, our family is all about God, not about us. Amen. In fact, in Psalm 127, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. God has to be present in that home for it to work. We can't build our homes. We can't raise our kids aside from the presence of God. He's the one who invented families. He's the one who made families. He's the one who created families. He's the initiator of families. And ultimately, he's the designer and the builder of our families. We cannot do it on our own. And this is the starting point that we need to have. It is God who said it is not good for man to be alone. God initiated. He was the one who called Abraham and Sarai out of their father's house to start a family that he ultimately will be blessed. He blessed them. But the blessing did not just exist so that Abraham and Sarai will have a comfortable life. Family is not a cultural or a sociological formed concept. It came from the wisdom of God. Amen. It came from the very heart, the very thought process, the very mind of Christ. In fact, if you look at the Bible, the Bible begins with marriage and also ends in marriage. It begins in marriage in the garden between Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 2. It will end ultimately in marriage between the church and Christ. And all in between, we will see that there is a purpose of family. In fact, marriage and family are God's first ideas. It's not an afterthought. Hindi yung, ko nga ng family. No, it was the first thing that He created. In fact, the relationship of the Trinity is Father, Son, and Hindi Mother. Kunde, tayo kay Pastor June, di ba? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are relational terms. God's purpose. Now, God also gave us promise for our families. How many of you would like to hear the promise of God for your families and for Abraham's family and for our families? And we see this in verse 1 and 2. It says, Go to your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And he said, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Verse 7, it says, To your offspring, I will give this land. In fact, God has given us a threefold promise for families. And we see that in the life of Abraham. First promise that God has given to Abraham, and I believe that he has given to us through Abraham, is that of posterity or descendants. How many of you are grateful for your children, you parents? Sometimes, pastor, I am grateful for my children. It's a blessing. And when God told Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, Abraham at that point was 75 years old with no children. How many of you know that God is never too late to fulfill His promise for each and every one of us? Amen. Come on now. God is faithful 
to the promise that He has given to you. When God gives you a promise, just hang in there. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, hang in there. Darating din siya, okay? Baka mamaya nasa high school na, konti na lang. 75 years old, no child. Then he looked at Sarah, barren. Oh man, what a challenge. How many of you know that nothing is too hard for the Lord? As Christian has mentioned earlier, nothing is too difficult for God. He's the creator of everything. He can create that. He can create something out of nothing. Ex nihilo. If he was able to create the sun, the moon, the stars out of just a mere let there be light. How many of you know that God can actually create something in your family? When God speaks the truth, just believe and wait for His promise to, to pass. Amen. Come on now. There is so much that God has wanted to, to store for our families. God wants to give for our families. And I believe that part of the promise of God for us is to have children. Now, I also believe that many times, yeah, we, there's a natural way of having children. But for those who are trying and have difficulty in having children, there's also another way like adopting. Okay? There's also a valid way of God allowing us to have children. In fact, we, as believers, we were adopted into the family of God. God was faithful to Abraham at the age of 99 years old. Come on now. Sarah become, became pregnant. And Abraham finally had his promise at 100 years old. Wow. Centenarian daddy. So for those of you who are waiting, bata ka pa. God promised descendants, posterity to us. Now, of course, you know, having children is meant for those who have been called for families. There are maybe quite a few who are called for celibacy, but nonetheless, you're also called to have like spiritual descendants and children. Okay, so anyway, that's another topic. Pos property. Okay, so there's posterity, descendants. Another promise of God is property. How many of you are praying for your own property? Wow. Praise God. Let's pray for that. Okay? If you're believing for your own house, go ahead and pray for that. In fact, God said to Abraham, to your offspring, sabi ni Abraham, bakit sa anak ko, hindi sa akin? To your offspring, I will give this land. But at least I will give a land to your offspring and to your descendants. And God promised a physical space to Abraham wherein he could actually occupy and raise his children eventually. And we know that the land of Israel has been given to God, by God to the Israelites. And the promise was to Abraham's offspring. In fact, at the, day, at the end of Abraham's life, when he died, the only piece of land that he owned was that property that he bought from the Hittites, wherein he actually buried his wife Sarai, and that's exactly also the, the place where he was buried. But it did not stop there. Eventually, God prospered and blessed Isaac and Jacob 
and their children and their children's children down to David and down the line. Amen. Pray for property. God is true and faithful to his promise. Who knows? You may own it or maybe your children will be the ones who will own it. And prosperity. Posterity, property, and blessing has been given by God as a promise to Abraham. And I believe that that also extends to us as children of Abraham through Christ. And he said, I will bless you. Everybody say, I will bless you. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, God will bless you. God will bless us. Receive it, believe it, stand on it. Don't even question it. And why did God bless Abraham? Wala lang. Did he work for it? He didn't work for it. God just said, I'll bless you. How many of you know that many times the sweetest blessing are the things that we didn't work for? Wow! May blessing. Thank you, Lord. Those ought to have the loudest. Thank you, Lord. When God blesses us for the things that we did not work for. And Abraham's life was marked with that. It was pure grace. It was the generosity of God at work. For those of you who are believing for things, don't stop believing. Parang journey, no? Just believe it. Just a small town girl living in a lonely world. Don't stop believing. Just believe it. God wants to bless us. You know, Abraham did nothing to deserve the blessings of God. In fact, we will see this one chapter later that after Abraham obeyed God, a chapter later, I don't know how many years this was. Now, Abraham, the Bible says, verse 20, uh, Genesis 13, verse 2. Now, Abraham was what? Very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. How many of you ladies would like to have that? In fact, the very next verse, even his nephew Lot was blessed. So that the land could not support both of them dwelling together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. Lot was just with Abraham, na ambulan ng blessing ni Lord. How many of you know when God blesses you, God will also bless those who are around you? That's the nature of the blessing of God. Receive that, believe that. Today, you may be going through some difficult times. You may be going through transition in your life. But as what happened to Abraham, God ain't done yet with you. The best things are yet to come. Amen. It will still happen. You know, for the longest time, we've been praying for a house. You know, just a quick story. And, um, you know, this house that we now live in, you know, we just to rent it. Until God opened the door for us to, you know, the owners were kind enough to have a lease-to-own arrangement for that. We didn't, we couldn't imagine to own a house. But yet God was the one who opened the door for us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't work for it. How many of you know that when God gives us a blessing, He will add no trouble to it? And about 
February 14 of 2020, before the pandemic hit, we were fully paid with our house. God provided for that. It can happen to you. It can happen to anyone because when God gives a blessing, He's no respecter of persons. Amen. Just believe it. My question for us today is, would you believe the blessing and the promise of God? Or are you thinking, I don't deserve it. Maybe for those who are really, really spiritual. Abraham was not even a Christian. Abraham was not a worshiper of God when God called him. It was purely the grace of God. But yeah, we also see that God's promise is multi-generational. God did not stop with Abraham. God blessed Isaac. And God bless Jacob as well. How many of you know when God blesses you, it will actually trickle down to your generation, to the next generation, to the generation after you, and a thousand generations of those who love God. Amen. That's the blessing of God for us. God binds Himself. Listen to this. God binds Himself to fulfill His covenant promise to Abraham down to us. When God gives a promise, He's not swearing by the moon or the sun. He's swearing by His name. That's how powerful the promise is. And this is the good news is. The good news is this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, it says, If you belong to Christ, if you are saved, you're born again, then you are Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. How many of you are Abraham's seed? Can you please raise your hand? You're born again. You're a believer of Christ. The, the promise is for you. Amen. Come on. Let's believe God for that. We are heirs according to the promise. And as I land, the promise to land God's plan. What's God's plan for the family? We now talked, we talked about the purpose. We talked about the promise of God for us. What is God's plan ultimately for us? First for Abraham's family and then to us as the seed of Abraham. He said this, so that you'll be a blessing. So that you and I can be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What an awesome plan. You know, God's plan is not just for us to be blessed. In fact, I believe God's plan for you and me is to bless you so much to an overflowing so that you can be a blessing to others. That's the plan of God. And Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. Not for his sake, not just for his family's sake, but for every family on the face of the earth. That's the plan of God for us. And I believe that God wants to bless each and every one of us to the point of overflowing so that you don't have to, you know, worry about the future. In fact, what you're thinking about is not where to get the next one, but to think about who can I bless. Can you imagine if we come to that point wherein we have so much blessing and the question is, Lord, who can I bless today? In fact, I challenge all of us today. Don't just pray for enough. Pray for more than enough. 
Don't just pray for what you need today. Don't just pray for what you need tomorrow. Don't just pray for your kids' education. Don't just pray for a time of travel. Don't just pray for that. Pray for more than that. Pray for so much blessing that you can actually be a blessing to others. Amen. And when you talk about God blessing us, God's blessing is not just about money or things. God wants to bless us with the character of Christ. He blesses us with generosity. He blesses us with kindness. You know, as you have been receiving kindness and mercy and grace, you can also extend kindness to others. Amen. So that you can actually bless other people. And God is calling all of us to become missional families. You know, missional family is such a big word. Missional family. It's a family on a mission. It's family not just based so that you can actually be blessed. That mindset of not just being blessed, but it's a mindset of being blessed to be a blessing. That's a family on a mission. Now I believe that marriage and family are so much central to God's work in our nation. In fact, we've been crying out, not only in the recent election, but we've, crying out, we've, been, we've been crying out for change. We've been praying for the blessing of God to be upon this nation. Guess what? God's blessing upon this nation does not rest in Malacanang. God's blessing upon this nation actually is resting in our very homes right now as we speak. Because God has called each and every one of us, our families, our Christian homes, to be a blessing to the world around them. In fact, God designed families to be the birthplace and the nursery of Christianity. Yes, the church is helping out in that, but it starts from the house. In fact, a missional family is a family that honors God and reflects Christ to others. It's this place where humility is modeled and sacrificial love is demonstrated. It's that place in our home where the children can see mom and dad after a fight. And how many of you fight? Don't raise your hand. You clean up the mess after you fight. And you kiss and make up. And your kids recognize that no matter how imperfect their parents are, they see the gospel demonstrated in their own home. Because their mom and dad know how to forgive one another. This is the essence of family. And we see this. You know, we cannot just delegate the authority and the discipleship of our children to the church or to the kids' church or to our campus missionaries or to our kids' church pastors or to our youth pastors. Ultimately, the responsibility of raising up our children is with us, parents. By demonstrating Christianity and living out the character of Christ in our own home. The family is the place where in one generation passes the gospel to the next generation. And this is where we see lasting change happen in our own home. Amen. In fact, the Christian family is God's smallest battle formation for the soul of every nation. If the soul of the nation of the Philippines is to be redeemed, it must done one home at a time. We have a huge responsibility in raising up godly kids. That is God's call for us as a family. Amen. And how did Abraham just very quickly respond to this? 
he responded in faith in verse 4. He basically obeyed God. Immediately he went. He obeyed God. He trusted God. And then at the end of verse 8, he made an altar to the Lord. And he worshiped God. And I believe that God is setting up our families as places of worship. As nurseries of faith. As places wherein we can actually model obedience before our kids and before one another. Ultimately, God wants to bless our families so that we can be a blessing to other families. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a hand today? Just before we pray, let me ask you this question. Are there areas in your family that needs to reflect the image of Christ? Maybe it's in the way you handle discipline. Maybe it's in the area of forgiveness. Maybe it's in the area of the way you handle your finances. Maybe it's in the area of faithfulness. Maybe it's in your words. Are there gentle words that are spoken in your family? Are there harsh words that are hurtful? Is there a culture of honor in our homes? You know, honor is so rare nowadays. We have seen so much attacking, not only in the house, but even outside the home through social media. And I believe that the key to honor is learning how to value people. If you value people, you will learn to honor them. If we value our wife, if we value our husband, if we value our children, if we value our parents, we will learn to honor them. That's a secret of honor. And God values each and every one of us. He paid the steepest price through Jesus Christ, going to the cross, giving His Son as a sign of honor for us because He values you and me. Amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victoryalabang.church.